Well, we got so many uh, different questions in the survey that just had to do with family and uh, not necessarily marriage or parenting uh, per se. We try to preach on marriage or parenting at least once a year around here. Um, And there were definitely those things in there, but just a lot of, uh, you know, the blended family and siblings and uh, how do I deal with my adult kids or how do I deal with my parents and uh, just so many different things about family. So my goal today is to give you a transferable message on family and principles of dealing with family relationships that you could apply to whoever. So when I say family relationships, it's anyone you're related to half related to, related through marriage, whatever, because that was really your question. Let's look at this Bible verse right out of the gate here, Proverbs 24, 3. It says it takes wisdom, so wisdom, that wisdom comes from God, comes from God's word, comes through filtering our experiences through the lens of what God has for us. It takes wisdom to have a good family. It takes understanding. Understanding is a little bit different than wisdom because understanding is the effort to apply the wisdom to make it strong. So I've got six elements today uh, to help strengthen your family relationships. And like I said, they're transferable to whatever family relationship needs strengthening. Uh, You could apply these Bible verses, these things to uh, whatever age, scenario you find yourself in with your family, anything. So I've taken the word family, kind of turned this into an acrostic here. And the F in family is fun. It's fun. We ought to talk about fun in the church. Write that down because healthy churches make life fun. Healthy families make life fun. So many times when you talk to an unbeliever or unchurched person, the words that are associated with Christians are judgmental and the word that's associated with church is boring. And that's a shame because God is anything but boring. I mean, the throne room of God is fun. Jesus came and he lived life to the full. And I think one of the healthy markers of a strong church is that it's fun. And one of the healthy markers of a strong family is that there's just an element of fun. It's just an element of fun. I'll even go as far as to say this. You can even tell the health of a family relationship by how much laughter there is in it. It's one of the gauges. And so life is exhausting, it's wearisome, it's boring, it's heavy, and family ought to be a relief from that. It ought to be where there's just a natural element of fun. Kids want to come home to a house that's fun. Kids want to bring their friends to a house that's fun. And that doesn't mean it's got the latest gaming system or all the cool toys. Uh, In fact, you can have all that and it still not be fun because there's just, it's an element of I can be me here, it's relaxed. I can enjoy my time here, and they want to come home to a, a home that is fun. Now look at Proverbs 17, 22. You know this verse, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Healthy families make life fun. An even more important word than fun is make, because you got to make it happen. you got to make time for it. It doesn't happen on its own. So many times in a busy schedule, the first thing to go is fun. And you got to model fun for your family because the world is going to teach them how to have fun if you don't. And they're, I mean, smutty movies and bad influences are going to teach a destructive version of fun. And you got to get ahead of that and teach a real version of fun to your family. So with each of these principles, I left some room in your outline to write down some ideas of how to apply those in your family and in your life. Uh, Because I just felt led to make this 
message as practical and as applicable as possible. Uh, So write some of these down. First of all, slow down. Slow down. Slow your life down if you want to have fun. We often say, well, I'd love to do that or I'd love to have fun, but I'm just too busy. Be thinking, is there a fun way to do this? Some of the normal everyday chores around the house, bedtime chores, brushing your teeth, is there a fun way to do this? Now, how can we make riding in the car fun? How can we make shopping fun? How can we make waiting in this line fun? I spoke to a family uh, last week who uh, the dad, they go to, into a store and the dad passes out cash and the kids and the parent, whoever, can just go and they buy whatever they want. And I was like, whoa, where do you do that? And he's like, dollar store. And so <laughs> just have some fun, you know, crank up music, crank up music. A little Toby Mac goes a long way to having some fun in a household. I got a playlist on my phone called Good Times, and it's just a bunch of Motown and fun songs, and uh, we just crank up music at our house and play songs that are fun, watch funny stuff together. Growing up in our house, we watched a lot of old funny TV shows, shows where they built up the family, they didn't tear it down. We watched a lot of America's Funniest Home Videos, Christian comedians, funny movies. Here's another, do the unexpected. Surprises and little unexpected things are fun. They may seem insignificant to you, but your family member loves that you were thinking about them and that you would do something a little bit different. Spoke to a couple in our church who they go to the same restaurant every week. Same restaurant every week. I was like, do something crazy. Drive a different way there. Like, do something unexpected. So ask this question at the dinner table. Did anything funny happen today? And it just gets you thinking through the lens of enjoyment and what's fun in life. And you don't come complaining. You talk about what was fun. Schedule playtime. Uh, if you're married, you got to schedule a date night. It doesn't have to be every week. Just get one on the calendar. That's a great model for your children. I would even say this. The greatest gift you can give your children is a quality marriage. I don't know how many guys in small group and just talking to them over uh, several years, they would trade in every other good thing from their childhood to have their parents have a quality marriage. They'd trade it all in. They'd go back, say, I wouldn't play sports. I'd live in a different house. I'd do anything to have my parents have a quality marriage. You can't go back and change the past, but you can move forward. And those of you who are a single parents, while uh, you may not be able to model marriage, you can still model positive relationships, ones that are filled with integrity, honesty, healthy communication, godly conflict resolution, godly boundaries. Many of you knew my grandparents. Uh, they were so fun. Uh, they lived here in, in Raymore uh, through their 80s and mid-90s. And they came to church here, and they lived in Foxwood Springs. And as they got older, uh, got to be where they couldn't drive as far as they uh, used to. And then to the point where they didn't feel comfortable driving on 58. But they still wanted to get out and go on a date or uh, get out and go in the car together. So they'd get in the car and they'd drive through Foxwood Springs, uh, through the Willow Inn Shopping Center, and go to McDonald's. And that was their day. And they, they renamed it the MD Supper Club. And uh, one time I walked in there uh, to get a coffee and they were in there sitting on the same side of the table. And it was just so cute, and they're just having fun. And hey, your, your date nights are fun. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. You can go to Culver's, unscrew the light bulb, <laughs> pull a candle out of your purse. Just make it fun. Just have, 
fun. Get creative. So the F in family is for fun. And the A in family is that strong families give attention. Healthy families give attention. Giving attention to one another is a great way to honor one another. Now read this verse out loud with me. Romans 12.10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. It's very hard to show honor without giving attention. Just make it a goal that every day you're going to have an intentional conversation with those you live with. That the phone's going to sit down, you're going to turn the TV off, even if it's just a, just a couple of minutes. Just have an intentional conversation with your family. And so here's some ways you can show honor to one another, give each other attention. is welcome each other home. Let your family know, I'm glad you came home. Welcome home. Let family finish their thoughts. You know, we, we think we can finish each other's sentences. I don't think we can as much as we think we can. There's so many times Lauren's saying something and I'll finish her sentence or I'll think I'll know where this is going and all of a sudden, whoa, what, wait, we're talking about what? And just let them finish their thought, hear them out, don't give your opinion so quickly, value their opinion, share interests with each other, get interested in what the other person is interested, learn to enjoy the music uh, that your parents like, the movies that your parents like, the activities they like. Text and call each other a lot. Just just try this. Just let people know you're thinking of them. Every day on your lunch break, call your spouse. And even if it's to leave a voicemail or to have a 30-second conversation that says, hey, how you doing? How's your day going? And just stay in touch. Let's redeem all this technology for good and use it as an opportunity to stay in touch with one another. Keep your family in the loop. Your family would appreciate hearing from you. They would probably like to know that you moved or that you graduated from college or that you got a new job or that you're going to be home late or that you went to a fun event or that something, something cool happened in your life. Just keep them in the loop. Write this in. Just intentional schedules. The strongest families I know are very intentional about what they will and will not do. They just for a few minutes every week, they walk through their week together. They're intentional about their schedule. They're committed to not getting, getting, letting family get lost in the busyness of life. You, you may be too busy in your family if you holler that it's time to eat and the kids run and get in the car. <laughs> it may be just a sign. So give attention. Make fun. And number three, strong families capture memories. They capture memories. Remembering is a very spiritual concept. I'm loving this so much right now. I just can't get enough of it. In the Bible, we're told to remember 160 different times. And one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the divine reminder. God says, there's some things I want you to remember. There's some things you need to remember. In the book of Deuteronomy, we see God just building his relationship with his people, with his family. And he says this in Deuteronomy 4, be careful never to forget what you have seen God doing for you. May his miracles have a deep and permanent effect upon our lives. Tell your children and your grandchildren about the glorious miracles he did. It says remember the things God did. Because when you remember, it causes you to act in a certain way. Why do we take communion? To remember what Jesus did on the cross. When we're reminded of that, it puts our heart in a right direction. Bring back good memories in your family. Just it, bring, it sets grooves in our mind. And not only does it trigger that, but it puts our heart and our attention in the right place. 
And I realize that we cannot protect our families from every bad memory. Bad things are going to happen and we're going to have bad memories, but we can savor and hold up the good memories. We can capture the good memories and keep them before our family. And in your marriage, just capture the good memories. Keep them before you. Be reminded of good things. Now, here's some ways to do that. Uh, Create several anniversaries. Why just have a wedding anniversary? Make up anniversaries. Have an anniversary for the first hit in Little League. Celebrate that every year. Celebrate every year the the day uh, that family member gave their life to Christ or the day they got baptized. When something good happens that day, just put it in your phone calendar. Have it repeat every year. And just celebrate the the day you bought your home or uh, celebrate when you got that job. And just tonight, this dinner is in honor of whatever you're celebrating. Find reasons to celebrate. Celebrate anniversaries. Make up fun traditions. Write that in. There's a family in our church who every Christmas season, they grab a pizza and they eat it in their car while they drive through Christmas in the park, which is a fun tradition. There's uh, families in our church who every year on May the 4th, they celebrate it like it's a religious holiday with all the Star Wars stuff. And it's just fun (laughs) traditions. Print photos is another one. Put up wedding photos. Man, that was a great moment. For some, that was the day you were most happily married. You ought to remember that. (laughs) Get that up. Let other people see it. And I realize you may be embarrassed by the photo. You may have had a collar going down to your elbows or a green tux or wild hair or hair at all. But just get that up and, and celebrate it. That's a great memory. Create vacation books. I tell you, study after study shows that family vacations are some of the best memories which is kind of ironic because lots of things go wrong on family vacations. But people love remembering those. So just create a book for every family vacation you go on. And uh, this has never been easier. I mean, there's so many apps out there where you can um, just upload the photos on your phone that you just took on your phone and they'll send you a book or even they'll send you a framed enlargement of it and it's all ready to go and you hang it on the wall. Return to memorable locations. If you had a great event somewhere, return to that. Celebrate it. Lauren and I lived in an apartment for a few years after we got married. And I go out of my way sometimes to drive by that apartment uh, building. Sometimes I'll even park in front of it. It's because it's like a monument to me. How God brought us through those first uh, few years of marriage. And I just look at that apartment building and remember our, our first, so we had our first big married argument in there. And the first time we made up was in there. We had other firsts that I won't talk about, but it's just, just sometimes you got to drive out of the way and remember and thank God. And you ought to drive by your old house today and just with your family, just thank God for how far he's taken you, how far he's carried your life. Write letters. Write letters. Your kids are going to go through a a stage in adolescence where they wonder, why am I even here? Is, is my family, is there anyone that is glad that I'm alive? And through those letters, you can document your evidence of how you're thrilled they're alive. You can document your love for Jesus and decisions they've made for Jesus. And those are memories. So capture memories. Give attention. Have fun. Number four, strong families verbally inspire. They inspire through encouragement. And I realize that some, 
some people in here, they've got a tough time with encouragement. You fall into the game of saying, well, I grew up in an environment where nobody encouraged me, nobody loved me, and it's very difficult. And you need to make it a life goal to work through that and to break through and verbally encourage. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, let's read this out loud together. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Build one another up. Your words are building something inside of your family. You want to fortify, make that family relationship strong. I can't think of anything I want more for my children, for my wife, for my siblings, for my parents than to, than to verbally encourage them. And sometimes we have a hard time with this because our hearts may be in the wrong place. Jesus said in Matthew 12, we find it, a good man's speech reveals the rich treasures within him. An evil-hearted man is filled with venom and his speech reveals it. He's saying what's inside is coming out the mouth. And it's a reflection of what's happening in your heart. And if good words aren't coming out, it may need time to do some heart surgery and to take care of that on the inside. But know that the people in your life are dying for encouragement. We hold on to encouragement like it's expensive. Hello, it's free, but it's very valuable, and it means a lot. So here's some things you can do is to remember and to do is one, weigh your words. Be very careful what you say to your family members. Words can cause pain. I think that's why in Proverbs 12 it says, careless words stab like a sword. What we might say in a relaxed moment or in frustration can lodge in the heart of a person and never be forgotten. Reward good behavior. That's a great way to inspire. Catch family doing things right and letting them know. What gets rewarded gets repeated. Don't just point out the bad things. Celebrate the good things as much as you discipline the wrong things. And write notes. Send letters. Letters are little treasures. You need those. Your spouse needs them. Your parents need them. Leave notes in your parents' lunches. Leave notes of encouragement hidden behind their cabinet doors, your grandparents' cabinet doors. I don't care if you're 40. I'm serious. They'd love it. I think sometimes we just, we think we're too cool. Just to have fun and to encourage and to say encouraging words to one another. We think it's going to be goofy. Come on, get over it. Stop trying to be so cool. It's not cool. And I'm not going to be too cool to encourage my loved ones, to, to let them know how I think about them, what I feel about them. I mean, we're not, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We're not even guaranteed tomorrow. I want my family to have notes of how much I love them and how much I wanted to encourage them. And I love notes of encouragement. I've got one paper clipped in my Bible right now. It's a note from my mom that she gave me a few weeks ago with a note and two uh, prayers based on Scripture. And almost every day I read these uh, in my quiet time and just so thankful for them and what they're building into my life. So once in a while, even mail a letter to your kids. Oh, kids love getting mail. Write this in, encourage publicly. What's interesting is what we say publicly really is not encouragement. What we say in front of others is usually things like, have you met my son Johnny? He's really shy. And then we wonder why he's hiding behind our leg. Or, have you met my husband Frank? He's a moron. I mean, we just, there's some stuff we might as well say that because we just discourage publicly. But we need to encourage publicly. So put fun things on social media about your family. Celebrate your family. Encourage family who are older than you. 
So you're not the only one dying for encouragement in that family relationship. That person who's older than you, that uncle, that aunt, that older cousin, that parent, that grandparent, they're dying for your encouragement too. And some of my favorite words of encouragement have come from my niece and nephews. A while back, I asked them, hey guys, what's your favorite band right now? And they were like, the Rockbrook Band. It's like, oh, that's so cool. And there was one time I finished preaching in Maverick, my nine-year-old nephew at the time, he goes, good preach, Ryland, good preach. Like, that was just so, that was inspiring. That was encouraging. So encourage people who are older than you. Verbally inspire your family. Number five, strong families love without condition. Your kids perceive your love to be very conditional. They see it as contractual. They see it as, they love me more if I do good things, get good grades if I obey. And the way it's communicated is so important. And contractual love says, you fulfill your end of the agreement, and I'll reward you with my love. And it's a temptation because it puts us in a place of power in the relationship where I'll withhold my love if you don't fulfill your end of the bargain, if you don't do what I like. And what happens is our kids or family members become performers when we do that, and performers become people pleasers, and people pleasers wind up laying down their values, their morals, their integrity to please someone, and it creates this negative cycle. So think about how you communicate love to your family. Is it unconditional or is it contractual? Jesus tells us this in John 13. He says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Again, if you love one another. Jesus says that that my love for you, you got to love people like I love you. And his love for us is a covenant love. And covenant, he made a covenant with the Israelites. He says, I'll never leave you and forsake you. And he extended that to the rest of humanity. And he says, my love for you is not based on your wandering. It's not based on your morality. It's not based on what you do right, what you do wrong. I love you because you're my child. And we can't escape God's love. Sure, God gets discouraged, disheartened by the decisions we make. But just like you have unconditional love for your child, God has unconditional love for you. So here's some ways to show unconditional love to your family. First one is be consistent. Just consistent in your attitude. Be consistent. Yes, you're going to have better days than others. And, and you need to allow your family, they're going to have bad days. You've got to let them have a bad day. But just try to be consistent in your attitude. Your family shouldn't have to live in fear of which you is going to walk through the door, which you is going to wake up that day. Don't bring up past failures. Don't bring up past failures. There's, there's things in the past where you work through it and then you move on. You don't have to bring it up again. And we talked about this last week. Forgive. There is not a person on this earth that you won't have to have grace with to stay in relationship with them. Your spouse is going to mess up. Your kids are going to mess up. Kids, your parents are going to mess up. And you can move on to another relationship, but guess what? You'll have to have grace with them to stay in that relationship. There is not a relationship where you will not have to forgive someone. And every relationship takes grace. And kids, your parents are doing the best they can. And forgive. Have grace for them. And this next one, I just sum it up with these words, and that is do the hard thing. That hard thing in your life, 
Show your family you love them. Uh, Maybe you need to get some counseling. Maybe you need to go through a Celebrate Recovery Step Study. Maybe you need to get some rehab, get physically healthy, lose some weight. Maybe quit gambling, quit drinking, go through Financial Peace University, get, get some debt paid off, manage your money well. And what if for Christmas this year, you gave your family three months of progress in an area that's really hard for you? Three mo- we're about three months out from Christmas Day, and what if just between now and then, you just made some progress in an area that's really hard? Maybe it's three months of sobriety or three months towards getting clean, and you could start Celebrate Recovery and... And they'll, they'll help you with that. But what if you loved your family by doing something for them and because you love, not because you feel like doing it, not because it's easy for you, but because you love them. Let's go to number six, and that is strong families yield to God. Healthy families yield to God. That means they surrender, they submit, they give forth. An interesting synonym for yield is the word Relax. And I actually dismissed that at at first when I saw it. But I thought about it more. And when you yield your family to God, you can relax a little bit. Because guess what? God loves your family. And God loves your family more than you could ever love your family. God loves my wife more than I could ever love my wife because he has an unlimited capacity of love. So just yield to God and say, God, we're going to have a God-centered marriage. Not a me-centered, not a sex-centered, not a kid-centered We're going to have a God-centered marriage and we're going to have a God-centered family. Not a world-centered, not a school-centered, a God-centered. Look at Deuteronomy 6 with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Teach these commandments that I give you today. They're to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. He's saying that this faith, this loving God isn't just a Sunday morning thing. It's just make it a part of your life. Make God a part of your life. Let your family see that it's a part of your life. So here's some ways you can do that. And I'll give you all these at once and then we'll talk about them so you can get them written in. And that is attend church together. You're probably doing that today. Great job. Pray together. You can pray before meals or someone has a bad day or you're talking to a family member on the phone, pray, pray with them over the phone. Serve together. So there's families in our church who the whole family, they come and they show up and they'll clean or they serve on a dream team together. And we've got so many couples in ministry. You know, we got a couple in the booth today running sound and media. We've got couples on the worship team, couples who serve in Rockbrook for kids. That's so cool. They serve together. Share what you learned at small group with each other. You can discuss Talk It Over notes with your family. You can go to Christian concerts together. You can go through growth track together. But you got to lead the way. And dads especially, you got to lead the way. I, I've noticed over the years of leading worship and, and being in the church that dads, if you don't sing in church, your kids probably don't sing in church. And if you don't take notes in church, you got to lead the way. you got to lean in. And the job of the, the, the dad, of the parents, is to, to inspire, to bring God into the dinner table, the car, when you put them down, when you get up, we're talking about God. And my job as a pastor and, is, and representing all the other pastors here is to reinforce what you're already teaching at home. That's your job, dads. You're the pastor of your house. And some dads fall into 
Christian laundry service where they want to drop their family off at the church, educate them, save them, baptize them, sanctify them. I'll pick them up. No, that's your job. One of my favorite things is when I see a dad help baptize their child. Isn't that powerful? They're saying, I'm leading the way. I'm leading you through this. And we, what we communicate in small groups and kids' small groups and on the weekend, they learn it from us, but they see how it's lived out through you. They see how it's applied to life through you. So parents, dads especially, lean in. Your kids are, are watching. They're learning from you. And spiritual training starts with how I live my life. If I want my kids to open up in God's word and see it as vital to their existence, I've got to open it up and they've got to see it vital to my existence. I've got to lead the way. I've got to set the example. Joshua 24, 15 says, you must choose for yourself today. You must decide. I love the action of that. You've got to decide whom you will serve. You may serve the gods that your people worshipped or you may serve the God of the Amorites, all these other gods, false gods. As for me and my family, we will serve the one true God, Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you'll say that. Philippians 4.8 says, fix your thoughts. Again, fix. It's an action. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And the reason I gave you these elements and these ideas and these Bible verses so you could fix your thoughts on them, so you could take your family seriously, so you could take your marriage seriously, you could take your family relationship seriously. I love my wife and my children, my siblings, my extended family, but unless I dwell on them and the biblical concepts I read on how to treat them, my natural, natural tendency is to drift off and be self-centered. And some of you may look at this list today and be overwhelmed of what, where do I even start with this? If you're wondering where to start, you start with the why. You yield your family to God. And some of you have never done that before. You've been coming to church for a while. Maybe you grew up in church, but you never relinquished and submitted your life to God and said, God, I'm yours. Take my life. Do that today. That's where you start. Say, God, I want to have a God-centered marriage, a God-centered family. You know what's so cool is that God exemplifies these six characteristics in your life and the way he treats you. God is fun. I just wish you could see it. I just wish you could see that when you apply his ways to your life, they're not a burden. They're not wearisome. They make life enjoyable. They make life fun. He gives you attention. Like he took time to think about you, to make you, to chart out a course for your life. He hears your prayers. He gives you attention. He gave you his word. It's full of God's promises and he's made memories with you and, and he shows you, I'm, I'm real. I'm a real God. I can move in your life. And he inspires you. He gives you a purpose and a hope and a future. And he loves you unconditionally. He loves you because you're his child and nothing could change his love. And guess what? He yielded his, li his life for you. He yielded his life for you. He laid his life down so he could be with you. That is our God. That's our heavenly father. That is amazing. So take this outline and put it somewhere where you can fix your eyes on it so you can dwell on it, 
maybe the dashboard of your car or in the mirror. Do that for the rest of the month and build into your family. Build into them. I heard a story recently about a guy who, there was a building going up in his neighborhood and he went over to see what it was and there were two guys working construction there and he went up to the first guy and he says, what are you building? And the guy pops up and he says, I I don't know, I'm just laying bricks. They just told me to lay bricks. I don't even know what this is, but I just laid these bricks and my job's done. He's like, okay. He went over to the other guy and said, what are you building? The guy pops up with enthusiasm. We're building this amazing building in your neighborhood. The architect has done an amazing job. It's just, the engineers have done an amazing job. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to drive by this building when I'm done and see the thing that we established. And that's one of two attitudes you can have with your family. Is you can say, I'm just laying bricks. I'm just trying to provide. I'm just the provider and I'm just trying to provide, just trying to survive. Or you can say, no, I am building something. I'm establishing something. That is amazing. God has let me steward this family relationship. He knew every mistake I was going to make in it. And he still gave me this family relationship to build into. And I can look back and say this is something beautiful. I built something eternal. And that's possible with God. It's possible with God. I pray that you take on that attitude that you'd see in your relationships that you have the opportunity to build in something great. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your love for us. God, it's overwhelming. Thank you for your covenant love that says you will never leave us nor forsake us. And God, may we be different people as a result of today. May our families be strengthened. May our marriages be strengthened. And church... Just keeping this posture of prayer, would you all please stand with me? Let's just stand together as a church family. And if you're here with a family member today sitting next to them, would you just grab them by the hand? Say, God, may our relationships be strengthened. God, we yield our lives to you. Thank you, God, for your love that's not based on performance. It's not based on the health of a marriage or the health of a family. Your love for us is based on the fact that we're your children and we're thankful. God, help us to apply this message today to our lives. Help us to forgive one another. To have a strong relationship with one another. God, we thank you for being an amazing father to us. Through Jesus' name we pray, amen.